Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. everyone and welcome to the Helping Friendly Podcast. I'm Megan and I'm here with my friend, my good friend, RJB. How are you, RJ? Hey, we are friends. We just confirmed that again. Um, we are. In the, right before we went live, we confirmed that we're <laughs> friends. So that was great. Thanks, Megan. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm actually a little surprised you need confirmation, RJ. I thought we shared something really special in Raleigh. No, we did. I know okay, we did. Good. But But because Brian's not here today, it's just sort of like, I feel like I feel like, you know, you and Brian are good buddies, so like I just, you know, I want to make sure that that I'm that that it's okay that I'm here, you know? I feel like it might be okay that you're here, RJ. <laughs> I just want to make sure it's okay. I'm here. I feel like I'm the person who should be asking that. <laughs> it's not you. We're all we're all where we're supposed to be. We're all where we're supposed to be. And we're gonna talk about an awesome show today. But um, how are you doing generally, Megan? 
I'm good. I mean, my second round with COVID was not that bad. I mean, I didn't feel sick for very long and I feel great. I definitely have like a little bit of COVID brain. I was like dismissing my students today and I was saying, see you Monday. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not even close to Friday. Um, so maybe I'm not feeling as like with it as I thought, but um, but I feel okay. Thanks for, um, you know, being okay that I had to be out last week. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's cool that it didn't last very long. I mean, that seems like great. Yeah. Like great news, obviously, for you, but also like for other people who happen to get it because everyone's going back to school and you never know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You never know where you're going to get it now. You just got to get it and try not to give it to anybody else, I guess. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't want to go through this again. But do, do schools care anymore? I guess that's my main question. Or like are schools <laughs> trying to ignore it like the rest of us? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. They're just yeah. like, you know, if you don't feel good, stay home, test, and come back when you're negative. They don't. Yeah. I think it's just becoming like the flu. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, can I tell everyone just a little bit about what's going on outside of HF pod before we dive in? Yes, please do. So we are, well, today we launched the fourth season of undermine. I wore my undermine t-shirt as a, as a memento. Um, we, we did an amazing, amazing, um, episode today with John Paluska and that was, uh, it was a lot of fun and, we're going to have another episode on Monday or sorry, on Wednesday with Amy Skelton. And then we're going to have another episode on Friday with another guest. So we're going three times a week. We're going to have 25 amazing nineties shows leading up to fall 97. And then we're going to do every fall 97 show and um, it's going to be great. Um, So, you know, subscribe to undermine if you, if you haven't already. And this Sunday I'll be in Burlington with the water wheel foundation and nectars doing a really fun night of music and conversation celebrating their 25th anniversary. Um, if you're in Burlington or in the area, um, go to live at nectars.com to check out tickets, but, um, that's going to be a really fun night. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm so jealous. I was tempted to get on a plane. I think if it was Saturday night, I would actually maybe try to make it work, but it's going to be so fun. It's going to be really fun. Um, and I will say we have to, we have to address that the fact that last, the last week we talked about um, summer tour and some people were, were mad at us for being critical of summer tour. And I just, I just want to say that you, you've been, you know, we hear you and I think we were pretty fair. Um, you were watching, but I was, I think you would have brought a little more positivity probably. I think we were just trying to like get at what people, why people were saying that it wasn't a good tour. I think we all enjoyed a lot of the shows and we talked a lot about some of those jams and how like there's a lot of shows that were really amazing, but do we come across as overly negative? I don't think so. I mean, maybe we weren't just the overly positive fluffers that we usually are in HF Pod, and and now here it is. We get called out for that, and we can't win. We just can't, can't win. win. We can't win. We're either <laughs> too positive or too negative. Um, exactly. Uh, no, I thought it was fine. I mean, I thought it was interesting, and I felt like I don't know. I always love tour. I always find the things that I love about every show. So for me, yeah, I'm. You know, I'm just a total fluffer, so I definitely would have brought that by. But but Ryan felt really good about the tour, and I thought it was kind of cool to see kind of you and and Brian have a little bit of a a darker feeling about it. You know, keeping it interesting. Just trying to keep it, just trying to keep it real. You know, that's all we're doing here. Um, I know, and you're doing a great what, job. Thank you. What are we mm-hmm. talking about today? Today we're talking about a show 23 years ago. 
We're talking about September 18th, 1999, which is just crazy to think about 23 years ago. What were you doing in 1999, RJ? Well, I was in the middle of um, I was in the middle of college, and I will say that um, because we're doing Chula Vista 9-18-99, we got a comment already. We're off to a great start. Jordan <laughs> says, "Why Fish Radio plays this show 20 times a week?" Well, Must I mean, I think it's, it's the anniversary. I guess is is one reason. Um, we're a day late, but you know, we don't we don't broadcast on on Sundays. Um, but also, it's a really notable show. One of the only. Um, live releases from this era. And and I think there's some notable moments that we're going to talk about. When Fish Radio plays it, they don't give you this, this incisive commentary. So that's that's at least one reason to, to do it. Um, 1999, I was in September 1999, I guess I was starting my junior year in college. So I was thinking about 1999 because I only saw four shows that year. And I think Looking back as like a college student, I should have seen a lot more because I saw Meriwether, Camden, and then two in Cincinnati in December. And like I should have been, I should have gone on that December tour, you know, I should have just gone on tour. I know. I mean, but looking back, it's like you were trying to be responsible, be in school. Yeah. Or you probably just didn't have a lot of money. I mean. that Definitely that too. Um, Right? What what about you? What were you up to (laughs) in 99? I was completing my second senior year in college. Um, Just to be fair, I didn't need a second senior year, but I transferred schools. So I had moved to North Carolina to start to finish school there. And because of like bullshit requirements, they made me do a second senior year to like, it was ridiculous. I took like bowling and a bunch of other bullshit, but it was fine. I was having a lot of fun. Um, I was kind of in a weird space here. I was like going to raves a lot and I started dat- dating a break dancer this year. So I was going to a lot of hip hop shows. I love hip hop. I don't know if you know this about me, RJ, but I love hip hop, like 90s hip hop. And so I was going to break dancing clubs and like <laughs> and like break dancing and hanging out with break dancers. And um, it was pretty fun. That's amazing. I, I knew that you were a hip hop fan. I did not know that you dated a break dancer. And that's <laughs> I did. That's incredible. Um <laughs> It actually wasn't, but it's okay. <laughs> it's just, a, I think it's a cool, I just think it's a cool, it's a cool factoid. Um, yeah, it was fun, but I only saw one fish show that whole year, which is crazy. Which one? I saw the Charlotte show in July. Yeah. Yeah. I think when I was looking at the statistics and so they fish, that was the fewest shows they've had played since 1987. So between know, 1987 and 1998, yeah, 64 shows. And they were like, in retrospect, they were kind of winding down, I guess, but it seems like they were just being more picky. You know, there was, it was a strange year for, for us fans because we got like 20 shows in the summer and mm-hmm. then all in July. And then they went to Japan in the fall tour was September, October, and then 16 shows in December leading up to big Cypress. So I don't, I like the December tour, like mm-hmm. all of December on tour, but, um, like, you know, 20 shows in July was kind of it if you're, if you're, you know, if you're going for the outdoor shows. Um, but I don't, I don't have any like arguments against, you know, a ton of shows in September, October and December. I know it's really nice. I mean, it's a weird time for them too. I feel like they had stopped rehearsing, right? They released the sick at desk in June, which is interesting because it's music that was made like two years before. And then, yeah, the beginning of the year, they've got six months off and Trey creates tab, right? So he's really starting to think about this other band, which I think he's totally inspired by, continues to be inspired by. 
And yeah, I mean, they they have like one dress rehearsal before the summer tour at up at the barn. I think Jim Carrey was there, which is very random <laughs> and weird. <laughs> yeah. And then they do this tour and then they end up in Japan at the end of the summer, which is just like so interesting. It's like Fuji Rock Festival, which reading about that just seems so cool. Like who are these lucky fuckers that saw fish in Japan in either 99 or 2000? Like, I just wish I was one of them so bad. Yeah. It's been so amazing, yeah. right? It's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, really amazing. Yeah. I think there's, and there's something, you know, this, we'll talk about the sound, obviously, as it relates to the, to the show, but um, there was, there was some, I think this is when the scene, the, the scene started getting a little more like, just a little strange, more strange, you know, if like 97 yeah. was just such a peak for everything. And I feel like in, in terms of the parking lots and just the, the overall fish scene got a little bit, it was, it was starting to get a little bit crazy at this point. Yeah. I think the drugs were harder, you know, there was more of them and, you know, I think the continued fallout from not having Grateful Dead tour just continued to like build and build every summer with them. I felt like, and it's a weird time for them because like, you know, they're, they're leading up to Big Cypress in the fall. And I think that like, especially those December shows, you can hear that like kind of like build up of anticipation. I know the fans are really excited and the band was, but it's interesting. I, I've heard Trey quoted that saying that this time this like end of this year was like kind of sloppy when they weren't, you know, he wasn't spending a lot of time on the set list. And I think that that comes across sometimes, but it makes for some interesting moments other times too. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's, we should get into it. Actually, first I should yeah. tell everybody about Section 119, our friends, the premier apparel brand, where fans shop to represent their favorite band in everyday life. Um, I, I don't have my Section 119 shirt on today, but but I will next time, I think. Um, they have great designs, great quality. Their clothes are really high quality. Um, Section 119 has donut-inspired button-down shirts, board shirts, dry-fit polos, and hoodies. There's all kinds of Grateful Dead dancing bear and lightning bolt gear. They're, they're expanding them all the time. I just got a, a bug shirt recently which is pretty cool um so anyway i think you all know section 119 but you can still use the code summer 22 for a 20 percent discount on your next purchase section119.com summer 22 to get 20 percent off um, as you head into the fall i think their hoodies and like warm weather stuff is is all really i mean the cold weather stuff is really really great yeah i was talking to my friend yesterday and she said i have been wearing my like lightweight hoodie nonstop, especially this time of year. It's like perfect because it's not yeah. too hot. You can kind of layer it. It's such good stuff. I mean, their stuff's amazing and it kind of like continue to put out new, interesting stuff all the time too. Yep. Yep. For sure. Um, and thanks section 119 for, for supporting us. Um, Megan, how do you want to dive into this show? Cause there's, there's a lot to discuss here. Yeah. I mean, should we do kind of like, I'll read the set list and then we can do kind of the highlights from, from the set. All right, let's do it. Okay, so the first set reads, Tweezer, Roses Are Free, into Wilson, into Maze, Brian and Robert, Tube, into Rocky Top. I feel like they come out with a bang. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know? the Tweezer, Tweezer opener is is always a, quite a statement. And we should say this, this was um, released on... June 15th, 2018. So it's a live fish release and having mm -hmm. that, that live fish sound quality is, is pretty great. Um, but this, the sound, the, like what we've talked about as this sort of like millennial sound, you know, the 99, 
late 99 sound is really it's it's like i guess all these shows it's it's up front you know like kind of repetitive effects and this Trey's tone slowed down kind of methodical but like really kind of like rhythmic rhythmic jams um i think i saw you say earlier this earlier today on on the internet that you do you like this 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 style like that we hear in this tweezer I do. I kind of like this like droning like groove that they feel. They sound very like unhurried in a way that's cool. You know, I feel like they sound really yeah. patient and it's interesting because sometimes it get a, it gets a little monotonous with the like sirens and the, kind of like that sound. But I actually feel like this is a cool way to start. Like there's not this like, I don't know, when you hear Tweezer now, especially or at different moments in the time in the past, it's been like really kind of driving monster, like the energy behind it is like so intense and it's so different. I mean, also maybe a product of kind of the drug scene at the time, but it's just like more, it doesn't have that driving vibe. And I feel like so many of the jams at this point point don't either. They're, they're really emotional sounding, but they're not like aggressive and forward moving. They have like a searching kind of ethereal feel to them. And I think this jam is cool. It gets interesting, like right away. And then, of course, like the end, Trey's hose is just like really, it just sounds really like kind of almost a little melancholy, really, I don't know, emotional. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah I think this and like this show, so the, the night before this show, they played um, with Phil Lesh, right? And like they, earlier this week, like four days before this, they played that amazing show in Boise. Um, and then the night before the show was uh, was at Shoreline and they had Phil Lesh come out for a bunch of the show and so this this was sort of like a little bit of a pressures off kind of thing but i don't know i noticed that too what you're describing like there's this almost like the 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 bliss or the kind of major key jams that we're that we're used to are almost like trying to get through but they keep like going back to this kind of like much more yeah it is it is kind of a melancholy like sound, you know, and I just feel like it's, uh, mm-hmm. I feel like that keeps, especially when we'll talk in, in set two, I think that happens, um, a few times yeah. as well, but you know, this is, um, I don't know. I don't know what the scene was like at, at Chula Vesta, but it, but it feels like, it feels kind of like chill, but I guess that's just sort of totally. like, like the environment they were creating at that time. Um, what, what is, I get a 15 minute tweezer to open. Um, I don't know. It's just so spacey and, I, I really liked it. I haven't gone back to this show for a while. I don't listen to a lot of 99. So this is fun to go back to. Yeah. And I feel like if you're there and they open like this, I mean, you can get lost in this tweezer right away and you can be like, what, what song are they playing? Like first song out the gate. Like if that happens, you're excited at a show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd be what thrilled about, if they opened a show like this. <laughs> I think it was a great opener. And then I think that the tube later in the set was, is really kind of a, a perfect, um, vehicle for like this sound, you know? Um, and I do think maybe at that time, I wonder if people on, who were on tour, I don't really remember the conversations. I just remember, you know, getting tapes and stuff, but I wonder if people were critical of, I think there was some criticism of this, like kind of like repetitive sound that you just kept hearing, especially after the 97. I mean, 97 was kind of repetitive sound too, but 98 was kind of a combo of the two. Um, I don't know. I wonder, I wonder what listeners and people who are watching or listening think about that. Cause I, I think there is some like 
the repetitive droning can just sort of like drag on a little bit, but um, I don't know. You said you, I mean, I but think, you, yeah. I think in 99 and 97 though, there was so much energy behind the jams and there, it was, it was different. It was new. So even if it did sound repetitive, people were excited about it. You know, it wasn't like you weren't going on live fish and hearing every show and, you know, it was, you weren't getting like overloaded with the sound in the way that we do now where we can listen to everything right away. And so I think, I don't know, I don't remember anybody in 97 being like, Oh, this is boring. Like nobody, you know, but in 99, like I barely remember the Charlotte show. Cause I was, into some things, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. all my friends that were on tour in 99 were into some things, you know, Mm -hmm. they were like, Mm -hmm. everybody was just, it wasn't really about the music as much. It was just like, we were just doing bad things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand that. I've heard, I've heard of that happening. Um, Yeah. The tube though is, I mean, again, pretty laid back, but like really cool. And I I thought this, this first set kind of like, went by pretty fast for me when I was listening back to it. And I was like, am I, did I not hear what I was supposed to hear? But I think it really is kind of about the the tweezer opener and the tube, right? Is there anything else that happens yeah. in this first set that, that really like hit you? I mean, I think the tube getting into that like chill groove right away and just like staying there and sounding really like confident in that sound was super cool. And I also think the maze is awesome. There's just like a monster ending, huge peak. And then a nice placement of Brian and Robert, which is like, you know, just always good to hear because they don't play it that often, you know, especially now, um, once or twice a year. But I thought it's a good set. I mean, I think the bookends are pretty cool. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, the Brian and Robert, that's an, it's a good cool down. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. That song's only been played 50 times ever. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah like you said, like once every year, if, if that, right? Um, yeah, exactly. It's just not that common. So getting that as a cool down. You know, Trey's thinking about what he wants to play there. That's a little bit different, at least. Yeah. Played a little bit yeah. more common, you know, back then, but not as yeah. less now. But yeah, yeah, and I think the the to, for me that highlight of the set is the is the tube, just because I think it mm. it just fits really well with this with this style. I mean, it could have gone on for for another fifteen minutes. Um, if you if you're recommending one part of the set, are you are you going with the tweezer or the tube? I'm going with the tweezer. Yeah. It's just badass. And it, I think it's super cool. And like, what a, it sounds like a second set tweezer. It doesn't sound like mm-hmm. a opening tweezer. And yeah. I just think it's interesting to listen to a tweezer that has a different vibe, you know, that has this kind of like, I don't know, lead back hypnotic vibe to it. It's very different. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because the, the, the 914 show, you know, which was a few days before that ACDC bag, which is like just outrageous. It's like, you know, 30 minutes and it it goes all over the place. It has like a lot of different segments and a lot of different rhythms and, you know, um, like it just goes in a lot of different places and nothing here in the first set, at least like really goes any different directions. It's just sort of like this, this, this pulsing rhythmic um, repetition, which I think is fun. But, you know, there's, there's, um, it's just interesting to go back to, cause I feel like the 99 shows, I think about that, that ACDC bag from Boise mm-hmm. or some of the other like big jams. And I was like, wait, is there one of those here? There sort of is, I guess, in the, in the second mm-hmm. set, um, which I guess we should, I guess we should talk about. Um, yeah. Should we get into it? Let's, I think we should. Okay. Let's talk about Sunset Lake first. 
Yes. Because we love our friends at Sunset Lake. You want to do it? Okay, do it, RJ. You sound inspired. All right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. (laughs) Sunset Lake's CBD line of smokable hemp products are for the old deadhead or the young fish fan like me searching for a mellow body high. Um, I've been I've been traveling a lot recently and I've been taking my CBD tincture with me and I take it before I go to bed and it, it, it helps me have a good night's sleep. Sometimes you just you need something like the THC cannabis, but with like, you know, a little a little bit less side effects and some of the other things that happen to us, especially as we get older. So, you know, if you have the Hawaiian haze, that's great for an outdoor show. We're almost at the end of outdoor show season, but but not yet. Um, cherry abacus is best for the end of the night. And all the flowers grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. So check out sunsetlakecbd.com. Use the code HFPOD for 20% off all products. And Sunset Lake CBD is farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. They'll be at our Nectars event this Sunday. Thanks for thanks for supporting us, Sunset Lake. Um, I went to an outdoor show last week. I went to see Pearl Jam for the first time. How was it? No, I've never seen them. It's crazy after so many years that I, I mean, Eddie Vedder is just still just incredible. He's a God. Yeah. He's yeah. a rock God for sure. Just I mean, like kind of want to hang out with him. Yeah. You know, <laughs> to say the least. Drink wine and hang out with him. He seems awesome. He seems so cool. Yeah. I have some friends that are like rabid fans and they're always going and they're always telling me like, you have to go, you have to go. And I really want to go with them. I want to go with them. You know, I want to go with yeah. somebody who's like super into it so they can just like be excited all night and like whisper things in my ear and, you know, yeah. Yeah. It'd be really fun. I think it's like, I think it is a fan base like fish, right? Mm-hmm. Like these, there are people so. who go, I saw people there who had been like on tour with Pearl Jam, which is just like, really? yeah, I think it's great. There were people who had been to like five shows in a row and everyone in the bathroom was talking about the MSG show and how awesome it was. So it was cool to, it was cool to hear. It made me want to want to dig a little more deeply and check them out again, you know? And do they do like very much varying set lists? Like they must then, right? Yeah, I think they do. I think there's like some repeats, you know, throughout, but there's actually got a couple next to us from Holland and Rachel and I told them that we, it was our first Pearl Jam show. I think they thought that we had like never seen a concert before because they kept like talking to us about <laughs> we were like trying to tell them that we had seen concerts, just not Pearl Jam. Um and he was like, just whatever you do, don't expect a greatest hits show. We were like, no, we're, we don't we don't expect that. But thank you for uh thank you for my it's amazing. Thank you for they thought you were like a total noob. I love yeah, that. That's so fun. good. It's That's nice so to be good. a noob sometimes. And it I met is, right? um I made an HF pod listener there. Um it's always Amazing. great to it's always just great to meet people who are like, hey, what you're doing is awesome. So yeah, that's um, so nice. My mom also met an HF pod listener. Um, she was at a show, I think they were at like Lake Street Dive or something in North Carolina. And she my parents now accost people with like tab or fish shirts on and ask them if they know about the podcast. And they were very excited when they saw um, a young man in a tab shirt and they were like, oh, uh, we've seen them a few times. And um, do you like fish? And they're like, I mean, who has a tab shirt that doesn't like fish? <laughs> like, <of course. laughs> awesome. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, well, you've got to do you listen to this podcast. And they were very excited. So if you That's are in North fantastic. Carolina and you're out seeing a show, you might get harassed by my parents. And I'm sorry. I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, that's great. Well, yeah. And I want to tell people who are, who see Megan or me or Brian or Jonathan at shows, come say hi. Um, I think Scott was the guy who said hi to me. So thanks Scott. Um, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to be seeing right. a show indoors this Friday. Where? Well, I'm actually going to see, um, at Brooklyn Bowl, I'm going to see Cal Kehoe in Pink Talking Fish. Oh, no way. Yeah. Awesome. 
Yeah, because I get to meet him at our live event. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's really great. He's really he's great. He's so great. Yeah, that's so I'm excited. Amazing. So if anybody's in Brooklyn, come say hi. Um, before we get into the second set, I would just want to say yes. that the incredible perp said, "Hey Brian, this is you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there will always be complainers. I got several shows on this tour. I don't have any bad memories of drone boring drone jams. The energy at Hampton was insane. Everyone was so pumped for New Year's. Yeah, I mean this is um this is a this is I feel like the second set it's still pretty laid back, but definitely the jams are um." You know this this opening jam is is pretty pretty wild. Um, what did you know about this going in versus like after you listened? Were you like were you aware of this monstrous boogie on? Yeah, because boogie on is one of my most favorite fish covers. Like, put it's up there with like sneaking Sally. Like, you know, you guys all know what I like. It's like sexy, funky, groovy shit. So I was just like, yeah, I've heard about this and I've listened to it, but not. I don't think I've listened to it in ten years. So it was really fun to go back to and listen to again. I think it's fun. That's oh, awesome. Nice. Look at this. We have another comment from a YouTube viewer. Just saw Pink Talking Fish Saturday. And wow, they were cool. Yeah, Cal is yes. great. I'm, He's I, so I'm talented. To go. I know. I'm really excited. That. That'll be fun. Yeah. Um, this is so this is the, the longest boogie on ever, 22 minutes. Um, and it's interesting what you were saying earlier about the kind of like vibe of the playing i feel like the this jam to me there's like a few there's a few moments where like the the kind of bliss major jam stuff like is trying to push through but they yeah. keep like they keep kind of pushing beyond it and i can't really tell who is pushing it and who's not but I, when i in my notes i wrote that's like trying to break through to this like blissful part but it like it it, it finally does toward the end but one of the things about these shows, this like kind of this millennial sound, as I mentioned, which is like, you know, the, the droning effects and the the repetitive effects, which I think are great. But Trey's soloing, it's not like super loud because it's so heavy with effects. But in about a third of the way into this jam, he's just like shredding like so intensely. But it's it's almost like like you can hear it, obviously, but it's not like right now, you know, if you're at a show today and he was shredding like you know his guitar is so much out front it's just so kind of like masked by all these effects that it's it's almost like under it's like under the surface a little bit but um still like no no letting up in terms of the ferocity of his guitar playing which is so cool because it's so much less piercing than it is now when you hear him and his tone's so different but it is it cool it adds to that kind of like almost like la layered you feel like you're listening to him like under a veil or something right it's just has that like kind of mysteriousness to it which i think adds to like the sound being so different from what you'd hear now which is really cool i mean again that kind of textured feeling i i think this is such a cool boogie on because it has just such a mellow beginning like it's just like a funky nice jam and i just think it's really sexy and i love it i also was thinking about what you were talking about earlier or last week about how the choice to push on when a jam seems like mm -hmm. it's done because mm -hmm. this jam basically ends at nine minutes in, right? It kind of ends. People are like cheering in the audience. Yeah, 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 it's true. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just like picks up, which is like something that like they do a lot, right? In like 97 or when they're doing like the stop start stuff, but they're not stopping and starting. It's, I'm so curious at what happened then. Like, did they look around and they're like, we're, we're not done, like, let's keep going. And why do they decide to do that, you know? Yeah, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a really good point. And it does, it, it ends up going for, yeah, 22 minutes or so. But mm-hmm. there is a point where it just kind of like dies and then they, they yeah. pick it back up. It's not like a start stop thing where it's like on purpose. They just Mm-mm. are like, they're there. It seems like they're kind of just winding down. Um, and then, you know, the last eight or so minutes where the bliss really does like come through and, and this, this peak is, is really fun. And um, I mean, I assume that this jam is, is why they chose to, to release this show. Right. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. cause I think there, there's some, and there's some great stuff after this, but um, this, like the melodic kind of hose that, that really just like lasts for several minutes toward the end. That That's, that's a, this is kind of like a, a top jam of the year, I think, um, looking at looking at 1999. So it's cool to go back to it. Um, but it's not I don't it's interesting that you found it similar to or or sexy, as you called it, because I, mm-hmm. I feel like it's not very funky. It's more just like. It's so like sludgy, you know, it's not mm-hmm. like it doesn't have that like funk that we were used to today with like Mike's. Mike's really out front bass and you know I mean there's some of that but it the but the jam of it is, is right the beginning yeah, yeah. and yeah, then it gets like into this like weird place but but it still hit you yeah I mean I think it's cool I like it when you know a song that you think you know the vibe is turns on its head and goes somewhere totally different oh I like yeah. what Brian's saying here it's similar to the Susie reprises when the jam ends and they decide to pick it up again yeah yeah, yeah. it's like um the- yeah, it's really cool. Um, I, I just want to just read a comment um, from one of our listeners on Twitter um, who said, Shane Tobin, he he said, feel free to quote me. I was there and it was bonkers. People just jamming, dancing, smiling, and freaking out to the 20-plus minute boogie on. So, you know, that, that yeah. sounds like a good summary from someone who was there. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's not that many standout versions of this song, right? They've played it 88 times. There's only six on the gem chart that are like highlighted in yellow is like notable. It's not that many. That's crazy. Right. So like the song is not a jam vehicle, you know, at all. So I think it's really notable. And yeah, they've only what they have eight live releases for the year in 99 and they picked this one. So yeah, the show is meaningful to them. There's, there's a lot of um, December 99 that I think needs to be released, but that's, I guess maybe that's a different Maybe that's a different episode, but um, there's so Especially much. Especially because there's so much buildup to Big yeah. Cypress that I feel like the energy in those shows is super cool. So good. And that like yeah. the Raleigh show they released, the mm-hmm. December 16th, is so good. Um, there, yeah. There's amazing. Um, okay, so back back to the show. The, back um, to second set. <laughs> the second set continues on. Meat Stick, so I texted you guys this earlier, but I love that. <laughs> it's like, it's just so... They're, first of all, they're so goofy and ridiculous that like, you know, Meat Stick is just, it's so silly. And and this is like kind of peak, this is kind of peak Meat, meat Stick era, right? I think. Yeah, well, do you think they knew that they were going to use Meat Stick as like the beginning part of Cypress? Like, do you think they had that planned yet? That's a good question. That's a like, good that's question. That's what I'm wondering. Because like, you know, he's talking about how we're going to teach the West Coast so that it can sweep the nation as the next dance craze, like the Macarena or whatever. But I was so curious. Like, do you think they had already decided that? I have no idea how far in advance. I mean, probably not, right? Probably but, not. Probably not. I mean, yeah. this is – they Meat Stick, 20% of all times Meat Stick have, has been, play, have been played is 1999, which is, like, <laughs> kind of amazing. They played it so many times that year. 
Um, I do know that Big Cypress was announced on July 23rd at the at um, the Polaris show in Columbus. And that, like, you know, I guess they were planning it, but I, I feel like musically they probably weren't. Probably not. Right? But maybe um, they're starting to think about, you know, extending songs that they don't usually extend. And, you know, I don't yeah. know if yeah. they really were yet, but it's interesting to think about. But this meat stick is so funny too, because like you can hear Paige is like, all right, Fishman, sing along. Like he's like, come on. <laughs> it's like not, and it's not very good. Like none of it's very good. No. They're just sort of like going through the motions and it's like, what the hell is happening here? Because she's you know? like bringing people up on stage and then yeah. like doing, it's very like, I don't know, it's silly, but it's on them to like bring people up on stage and like do this big thing. It's pretty funny. I was just, we, you know, we, we mentioned the, first episode of undermine that came out today with John Paluska. And I asked him if he ever just as a, as a manager thought about like telling them, especially in the early days when they were trying to grow and go to new places. If you ever thought about like telling them like, maybe they should like be less goofy, you know? I mean, he, he said, yeah. no, definitely not. But it's just funny that that was, that's kind of baked in from the beginning and they're so serious about their music, but really not serious about taking themselves seriously. Right. No, We've talked about that is, a lot, but it's it's kind of awesome. Yeah, and it's part of their charm and a big reason why I was, you know, excited about them as opposed to the Grateful Dead because – not as opposed to, but more connected to them because their sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's rare. Um, it's rare in a music act. Like most music acts take themselves very seriously. And very I think seriously, that, yeah. Yeah, and I think that it's – it creates a wall between the audience and the fans. And I think that it's, it's remarkable and, you know, really individual, the fish that they don't. Well, I do think the, yeah, especially in like the nineties when, mm -hmm. you know, grunge was like, not necessarily yeah. serious, but it was extremely like, um, there was not a lot of humor in grunge, you know, there was none. <laughs> yeah. There, there was <laughs> absolutely none. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of a, a little bit of a, you know, it, they definitely stuck out at that point. But it's cool that in 1999, they still, you know, they're still doing it. And I love that, like, you can tell that, like, what you described earlier is, which I think Trey has said, that they weren't, like, really, you know, they weren't they weren't big on, like, practicing at this point or really, like, worrying about anything. Um, during during <laughs> Meat Stick, he, Trey is like, we're really happy to be in your town, you know, like, I'm not even sure that he knew or realized where they were, which is just like, he's like, where are we? I don't where know. are we? You know, it doesn't matter. We're just doing the meat stick. Um, I mean, exactly. Totally ridiculous. Um, and then, but this, the, the Harry hood is, is really it's gorgeous. pretty, pretty amazing. I feel like that was something that I didn't, I didn't really know that that was part of the show or I'd, I'd overlooked it, but you know, there's some of those effects at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the hood like where that you think maybe that's that's where the song's gonna go but then just really like classic beautiful beautiful hood yeah it reminded me of how this summer in the beginning they were doing that with hood sometimes with like the synths and the like, trippy spacey sounds and then they're doing those like weird dissonant sounds in the beginning and then it turns into the most like gorgeous super delicate super patient beautiful interesting build this is a really really beautiful hood yeah, it's really, really great. I, I kind of skipped over free, but um, which is like a 10 minute version, also good. But like, you know, you're going to get a good free 
uh, all the time, right? Yeah, free's always good, especially this summer. But yeah, I think free is free's good. Yeah, and the bouncing's fine. But the I think the whole last part of the second set is just really well done because it's like hood. You have this gorgeous, patient, beautiful peak, and then you've got Frankenstein, which is like nothing better after like a hood peak than to have like a nasty dance rock moment. Like that's <laughs> to me like really great set listing. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, this is, this is a fun show. They clearly weren't like really in a, in a hurry to get out of there. Right. Um, yeah. post hood, they just kind of keep, keep playing. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a weird set list construction in that sense that hood's kind of like in the middle of the set almost. But. Yeah. Yeah. They might've not even known like what, how much no. time they were spent there, like what time it was. <laughs> I mean, it seems like they weren't really paying that much attention. Um, but it's it's kind of amazing. Um, this was also their first show in in Chula Vista, and I think this um, this amphitheater move opened that year, so it was a it was a brand new oh wow brand yeah. new venue. Um, and I think it probably maybe some people um, skipped skipped this show, even though it was a Saturday show. But they they kind of went down to Chula Vista, then Irvine from from Shoreline. Um, and I wonder, I don't know, it feels like maybe there was like a little bit of a skipping those those couple shows um, between Chula Vista and Irvine, because um, after that, they went to Arizona. So I don't know. It seems like something something there gave them a gave the people there a, a pretty, pretty special show. Yeah, I think it's fun ending with Cavern. I also think this encore is is really good. Like Contact is not my favorite fish song. Like, mm-hmm. When they start to play contact, I'm like, okay, you know, like I'm just, I'm not super into it, but this one is actually one of the better versions that I've ever heard. It's, it's beautifully played. It's actually really cool sounding. I like it. They yeah. they were, they were giving it a little something extra. It wasn't just like the kind of usual, like, I don't know. It sounded good. I liked it. Well, they, they were, I mean, they were just at this point when they were like really, even though they weren't paying that close of attention to like the set lists and, and maybe some of the more composed stuff, like I feel like the grooves and the vibes were really, really good. Right. So like anything they got into was going to get a good, you know, I feel like that really like made them once they got in a groove, they were, they were there to stay, you know? Yeah, exactly. They sound open to it. It's cool. I, I like, I like the second set a lot and encore. I think it's really good. I'd be thrilled if I saw the show. So here's a question for you. Do you think that we'll ever, like we're in the era now of any, any song can be jammed, right? Do you think there's any way that we'll ever get a boogie on, a real jammed out boogie on like, like this one ever again? Oh yeah. Yeah. Why not? Right. They can jam anything. <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. And they're going to do it for me because I love this song so much and I haven't heard it in a very, very long time. New Year's run. Yes. Yeah. I can see that for sure. Okay, it's happening. Just just to make sure everyone listening and watching, just mm-hmm. when it happens, just know it's 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 for it's me. Because we caught it and for me, yeah. It's and if you see Mega. me, you know, give me a high five. <laughs> on a on a different note, can you believe that within like a year of this they would like basically be broken up? Isn't that crazy? I know. Can I you mean, hear can you hear any of that? I mean, I guess it's all hindsight, but what are you thinking about as you're listening to this in, in that in that with that aspect? Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's like that melancholy feeling that I was talking about earlier. Like there's there's a sense of like we've done everything we could do. You know, I think that like Big Cypress clearly pushed them this fall towards like, you know, a 
the kind of final peak of 1.0, obviously. I think they peaked in 95 and then, you know, were able to like make this new sound in 97 and then they were able to like tweak it and turn to this ambient jams in 98. And I think by 99, I think, you know, they weren't spending a lot of time personally together. I think there was a lot of like, it felt like a job, I think, to them. And I know that they were getting overwhelmed by like the bureaucracy, even though like it wasn't that big of an organization. You know, I know the Grateful Dead at their peak was like 300 people. You know, I think Fish at this point was like 40 or something. I don't know. But it was it was not that big. So, but I think they felt like it was. And, you know, I think there was a lot going on with them personally that was making it feel not as fun anymore. And I think that they were, you know, thinking about what they wanted to do outside of, of this band too, as musicians and as individuals. And so to me, I can hear it, but of course it's hindsight. But there definitely seems to be a sadness. I mean, Trace... Trace playing seems really emotional to me this year. And, um, you know, I think that they kind of knew, like, what are we going to do after we do this this big peak on New Year's Eve, you know, and, and what is there left to do? And do we even want to do it together? Yeah, I think um, that's really interesting and a good good point. Um, I think in a live again, when we talked to Trey, I think that, I, I know that he said this, I'm not sure if it ended up in the podcast or not, but I think he said, like, we probably should have, probably should have ended with big Cypress. Maybe he mm-hmm. said that in other places too, but like, yeah, you know, it's an, it's an interesting, you know, uh, retrospective view on it. That like that was the peak and like the, the 2000, we've talked about fall 2000 and, and other 2000 shows on, on this show. But, um, that was the, that was the, that was the final peak of the, of, the, of that era. Right. I mean, big mm-hmm. Cypress was just, it was outrageous. Um, yeah, and I think but also I, like Farmhouse, if you think about what went down when they were writing that and recording that, you know, that was mm-hmm. Trey saying like, I'm going to produce this. I'm going to be kind of the the boss of this and everybody being cool about it, which is just speaks to them and how cool they are in their ability to like let, let, let go of their ego. But, you know, hearing like Gordon talk about it later and being like, I just basically came in and played bass, you know, and I mm-hmm. think that there was a feeling of less connectedness, you know, I think that. Tom and Trey were writing a lot and, you know, but I don't think the band was writing at all then. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Um, it's interesting. It's an interesting perspective on this year because I think this year is seen as like pretty celebratory because of big Cypress, you know, but I do think you can hear that. I, I think your point about the organization being bigger. I mean, I, I know for sure that like the guest list and the backstage stuff was getting like yeah, pretty big and out of hand at this point, you know? So I feel like that's probably, that's probably where it really was like hitting them, especially when it came to, to go into shows, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's intense to like, you know, be expected to go out and create art and improv in the way that takes an incredible amount of focus and to have this massive party with all of your friends going on. I mean, how many people are backstage at Big Cypress? Like, they built a pool, right? There was, like, yeah, yeah, thousands yeah. and thousands yeah. of people back there. Like, you know, like, that's yeah. hard to to focus when there's that going on. And, you know, and then you have drugs and, you know, that. But I think that even without the drugs, there was just a lot of disconnect between them, it seemed like. And, I mean, it's pretty amazing that they were able to pull off Big Cypress. It just speaks to, like, how incredible they are and, obviously, their preparation for that. But, yeah, this year, you know. It's interesting. I, I do think in, in terms of like the choice to to release this, I mean, the December shows, I think December 99 shows are really all pretty. There's like something 
really amazing in, in most of those shows. I think these, mm-hmm. I think this kind of September tour was a little bit more hit or miss. Um, I don't think there were a ton of shows that were considered to be like really great. You know, I think there were some moments in, in, in probably in all of them, but this is probably one of the more, you know, complete shows of the, of the tour with, you know, with the, the big, big couple jams in the first set. And then, you know, this huge jam in the second set. So I feel like it was, it's the right choice to like, to, you know, release this, but it makes me want to go back and listen to more September 99 jams. I think that's what I'm, I think that's my homework. I know. I'm interested to see you know? like what it sounds like when you were listening to it more as a blah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, what's fun. like your, what do you have as a takeaway from going back to this show? That I actually like some 1999 fish more than I thought. <laughs> that's what it is. That what, I actually... what did you think it was or what, what, like what was different from your perception? You think? I guess I was thinking of it more as kind of like, I don't know, just all kind of like one note and more kind mm-hmm. of like of that hypnotic droning, you know, less interesting. But it's so interesting, I think, too, to listen to these shows and think about what was going on with them at that time, too. I think like putting it in historical context for me makes the listening more interesting. And I think that these exercises for me are really awesome because I learned so much more when I'm thinking about like where the band was when I'm just hearing a show and, you know, hearing a 1990 show, nineteen ninety nine show, let's say I listened to it like five years ago, I wouldn't be thinking about, you know, what was going on then and, and where the band was and kind of musically where they were. And so thinking about it in terms of that is just, it's fun. That's great. I like that takeaway. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go back and, and listen to some more. So I hope um, Jordan who commented at the beginning, why, why this show, I hope that you were convinced that this was a good idea, but if you weren't, that's fine too. Um, but thank you for, we have a show, we have a show coming up on, on Wednesday. Sorry to interrupt you, RJ. And this show is probably not played on live fish all the time. So that's exciting. That is exciting. Are you going to tell, are you going to tell us what it is or are you just going to okay? Okay. No, you don't have to. I'm I'm curious where you're going. Cause, cause maybe, I didn't know if you like had a what your plan was, but I'm 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 with it. Okay, so my plan, our plan, is um, to talk about the show from September 21st, 1990, which is the Lawn Boy release party, one of them, which is super cool, Somerville, Massachusetts. Yeah, when I saw this on the schedule, I wasn't even. I was like, what? There was a. There was a Lawn Boy release party. I was sort of confused because I don't think that I, I don't, I don't think I know this show very well. So we're going to, I mean, I remember that this happened like from maybe an interview or something, but um, I don't know. What do you think's going to, what do you think we're going to, do you think we're going to stumble upon something that, that maybe, maybe people haven't, hadn't heard before? Maybe we will. I love listening to these really early nineties fish. It's super, super fun. And hearing where they are and what the crowd's response to these songs is it's fun. I've started listening and I would encourage everyone to do that because it's, it's a really fun show. That is awesome. Um, well, thank you, Megan, for guiding us through this conversation. <laughs> it was fun to go back to the show. Thank you, um, I guess before we wrap up, we will, I'll just say that we are working with fans for racial equity 
who are seeking to build an anti-racist live music scene and promote liberation through racial equity in the world at large by activating the collective power of our community. Um, if you check out free, which is um, fansforracialequity.org with a PH, um, you can get involved with their education, outreach, community partnership programs, and you can sign up to volunteer. They have a table during every show, which is amazing. And they're, they're trying to spread, spread the word about, you know, making our community better and more inclusive. And um, it's really cool. I really am, am proud of what they've built. So um, check them out if you, if you haven't, if you haven't yet. Yeah. And there's always awesome people working the table with them too. Lots of our friends from Wook Plus and just lots of great people. So stop by. Well, did we, did we reach the end? I think we did it. Thanks, RJ. Was awesome. This was really fun. It was really fun. And we're going to be back on Wednesday, as Megan said. So tune in then. And um, I don't know, until then, just, you know, enjoy going back to 1999 before we, before we bring you some 1990 tunes. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for commenting. And we'll see you all on Wednesday. Bye. Bye, guys. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!